This is the Find Your Forte Podcast, Technique Tuesday. You have the passion. You have the education. Now it's time for the inspiration. Get ready to step up to the podium with purpose. This is the Find Your Forte Podcast with Coral Director and Lifestyle Entrepreneur, Ryan Guth. Hey there, Choir Nation. This is Ryan Guth with the Find Your Forte podcast, and I am delighted to have with me today Adam Palcheritz, who is doing a guest technique Tuesday on a topic that I find very difficult to speak on. I've never really had much of a problem in this, in this department, so um, I guess I sh- should feel pretty blessed that that uh, this has not been something uh, that has been a difficulty for me, but um, Adam teaches in a very diverse area in Long Island, New York, and uh, he's definitely better at approaching this type of subject than me. So this is Adam Palcheritz on uh, five principles to consider when approaching religious music with your choir. And I uh, want to remind you that uh, this was from a conversation that was sparked over at the Choir Nation Facebook group. You'll hear Adam mention it a couple times. So if you want to belong to that group, we're at close to a thousand members at this point. Uh, and this is a very positive group. There's nothing spammy or weird or nobody complains. It's actually just a lovely group of people. So if you want to jump into the Choir Nation Facebook group, head on over to Facebook and just type in Choir Nation and request access. The direct URL is facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Choir Nation, which is all one word. Also, Choir Nation is having a conference. It's called Choir Nation Redirect, and we are bringing on new presenters and new speakers every single week. Uh, If you want more information about that, uh, it's going to be in Oklahoma City, uh, June 27th through 30th, 2017. And it's going to be the most awesome choir conference you'll ever go to ever, I promise. It's going to be fantastic. So if you want information on that, go to ryanguth.com forward slash redirect. And uh, yeah, well, I'll answer your questions in the Choir Nation Facebook group if you have them and all that sort of stuff. So let's jump into this episode with Adam Palcheritz. Hi, Choir Nation. This is Adam Paltrowitz of the Choral Clarity blog at adampaltrowitz.com, and I'm excited to be here for Technique Tuesday. The topic that I was asked to speak about was a topic that was brought up um, on the Facebook group um, of Choir Nation. Uh, Somebody brought up religious music in the public school setting, and uh, it's definitely an issue that many of us have faced in our careers. Um, I've faced it a lot when I first started teaching in the high school that I've been working at for 19 years, I have a very large Jewish population and um, I was bringing a lot of music that was religious in nature to the choir and I knew that it was the right thing to do from from a musical, from an academic, from a historical standpoint. Um, but it wasn't met with uh, the the joy and excitement that I thought it should be met with. And at first I couldn't understand why parents or students or administrators um, or the community, uh, why they weren't excited about the music I was choosing. But as time went on, I, I learned that while I should be exposing the students to this music, I also need 
to get them on my side. I need them to be educated and I need them to really understand the benefits of the music that's being chosen and really in turn appreciating why we're doing such wonderful music and not copping out by only doing show tunes and and pop music. So um, there are five points, uh, five bullet points that I wanted to um, address. And again, we're talking about religious music in the public high school, public middle school, and even public elementary school choral rehearsals. So here are the five bullet points that we're going to address. Number one, always explain why we choose any piece of music. Bullet point number two, we need to have group discussions in our ensemble about the pieces that we're working on. Number three, we must always be sensitive to the members of our group. Number four, we need to educate our audiences. And number five, we need to be balanced and open with our programming. So let's start with number one. Always explain why we chose a piece of music for our ensemble. Now, this is not about religious music. This is about all music. Any piece of music that we're going to hand out, we should be excited about it. We should be excited for them. Not for us, but for them. Excited to expose them to something special, something new, something that we chose for them. Well, why did we choose it? Is it the text? Is it the composer? Something about the composer? Is it something about the the historical significance of that piece? Is it something that is a great closer and we feel like it will wow the audience? What is it that brings value to that piece? And how can we get our students excited about the music? Now this seems very basic, but if we introduce a piece for the right reasons, then religion automatically takes a back seat. Because if we don't explain why we chose the piece, the students might misconstrue, or the parents might misconstrue, the fact that the song has Jesus in it, that we picked it for religious reasons. So by us explaining our rationale for any piece of music, they can be on board and at least know where our intent is as the teacher and as the person who creates the curriculum. That's number one. Number two, we should have group discussions about just about all pieces of music. Now, a group discussion is about the meaning of the piece, but not just the text. The text is only one element of the meaning of a piece of music. And I'll give you an example. Let's talk about a spiritual, for example. So, if you're singing a spiritual, famous spiritual, maybe by William Dawson or by uh, Moses Hogan, you have the actual text to start with, which is usually Christian in nature. Next, you have the code words, the, 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 the meaning that the slaves were using when they were singing that spiritual. So, they might have been singing about Jesus and Christianity, but... In many cases, they were singing about breaking free or communicating to one another or singing about the afterlife, singing about a life that didn't involve slavery. So there's two meanings right there. Now you have the third meaning, the meaning of why did this composer choose to set this spiritual? 
Why did it connect to them? Now you have a fourth meaning. When was this piece premiered? What was it written for? What was the purpose of the first performance? Was it a commissioned work? Was it commissioned for a professional choir? Now all of this being discussed will again set the tone for the fact that, yes, it's a religious text, but that's such a small element of the big picture. This group discussion will have so much value, and this is not something where we lecture the students, we ask questions. Um, And the final part about all of this is, how can we take this meaning and make it mean something to us? So even if you're singing a song that's got Christ in it, or God in it, or something that, that the students are not comfortable with naturally, Can we take a step back and say, okay, yes, this song is about Christ. But what is the meaning of this piece? Let's take Christ out for a second. What is the meaning of this piece? How can we make this piece mean something to us on a spiritual level? Not on a religious level, but on a spiritual level. What's the message here? Is it a message of love, of unity, of stillness, of peace? If we were to replace Christ... What word could we put in here and, and, and really connect? Even if we, we wouldn't do that for, for the concert, but it's the idea of getting the kids to understand from a group uh, dynamic about what the piece can mean to them. The third thing is that we need to be sensitive to our group members. Our group members come from different cultural backgrounds, different religious backgrounds, and we need to understand that that when they first hear a song that's of a different culture, of a different religion, they might be taken back. It's, it's normal to be taken back at first. And we need to continue that dialogue and discuss with our students that we're not preaching religion, that we're preaching um, tolerance and love, and we're sharing cultural, you know, cult, different cultures, different religions, um, and we're singing historically significant music. However, some parents might not understand that because they don't have a music education background. So they hear religious music and they don't really understand why a public school would be singing this music. So we need to be sensitive toward that. And if it means calling parents up that have an issue with it and explaining why we do this music, that's okay. If it means that the students are coming in with their parents' uh, preconceived notions, we need to try and reach them. First, we try and reach them in the group setting. If we need to have individual meetings, we do. Now, in the end, if, if there are a few kids that abstain from a song, that's okay. We need to respect that. We need to respect one or two kids that might feel that way. Um, hopefully it won't be an entire program because hopefully we're programming a very fair and balanced program, which we'll get to. But that's okay for them to feel that way. In my experience, most of the time when we allow that to happen and the student stays with the program, doesn't feel ostracized, um, they generally over time join and um, come on board and end up singing music that they initially have um, they initially abstained from. So it's, it's a question of time and acceptance from our end. Now, if the whole group is against a piece, for whatever the reason, it doesn't necessarily have to be a religious reason. It could be a song that they just don't like as a group. 
I believe that if the group is not connected to the beast, we shouldn't do the beast anyway. So our job, we, we've, we've had our group discussions. We've told them why we're excited about it. We've taught it to them. But at a certain point, if they really don't feel vested in that subject, which could be religious, then I think we should pull that beast and wait till we have a choir that does appreciate that. The fourth topic is educating our audiences. This is something that is very rarely done, and I want to be clear. When I say educating our audiences, I'm not talking about discussing the meaning of each song before we sing it. I'm talking about educating our audiences, our perspective, on why we do music from all around the world, all religions, all cultures, and why it's so important for students to be exposed to music from around the world, that we're trying to bring beauty and love together um, into the choral setting. And we can't do that by just singing fluffy pop songs. We're here to teach them about history of historical, um, si- historically significant pieces, historically significant composers. We're also here to, to you know, expose them to anything um, that is going to enrich them. So by talking about that briefly at the beginning uh, of a concert, and really every concert doing that, parents will be disarmed from the start, most likely. Um, because you need to imagine, what if you are the parent, you have never been exposed to choral music before, your kid joins the ninth grade uh, chorus, you sit down to see your child in, in the concert, and all of a sudden the first song is about Jesus. You might be taken back if you're Jewish. You might be taken back if you're not of that religious um, denomination. So we need to explain to them. They might be hearing a song that has Jesus in it, but we're not preaching religion. We're teaching quality music and exposing them to music of the world. Very, very important. We might also want to put a little blurb in the program that says something, too. We're seeing music of all religions and cultures to expose the students um, uh, and unite them uh, as citizens of the world. Something like that that you would put into the program. Finally, it's important that we are open and balanced. What I mean by that is not that we do tit-for-tat one song of every religion or one song of every culture. Obviously, we don't have time for that. But we do need to be very thoughtful in our programming and realize that if we're going to, for the holidays, let's just say, have a Christmas song, we should have a Hanukkah song, we should have a Kwanzaa song. We really should have all the music that represents our culture. People are coming during the holidays. They want to, they, they want to feel recognized. And so... It's our job to really represent our culture and invite them in. We invite them in when we recognize them. One trick that I've learned with holiday music is I give the same holiday music every year. The, uh, we have two Hanukkah pieces. One group sings each Hanukkah piece. We have two Christmas pieces. And we have a Kwanzaa piece that we sing together unified to, to uh, end our concert. So by picking these pieces, we've already set up a sense of fairness and balance. 
Now from there, when I pick additional repertoire that is going to be religious in nature, I'm a little sensitive toward it. I try to be balanced and have music from all around the world. But I already know that I've reached my audience with specific pieces. And from there, I, I, I could expand outward. So it's very important that we realize we are performing for an audience, an audience of, of culturally, culturally diverse people who are, um, who are coming to be entertained. And even though it's not our job to be entertainers, it is our job to be sensitive to who is in the audience, just as it's our job to be sensitive to who's on the stage. So hopefully these five points will help to connect with you and connect with your choir members and your community. So the five points, again, always explain why you choose a piece of music. Have great group discussions about all pieces of music. Always be sensitive to your group members. Educate our audiences. And be balanced and open when programming. I'm going to write a more detailed article coming up in the next few weeks at CoralClarity.com. And uh, if you would like more information, please check out my website. And I would be happy to uh, communicate with you and answer any additional questions on the uh, Choir Nation Facebook group. Thank you so much and enjoy your Tuesday. All right, Choir Nation, I hope you found that extremely helpful. And uh, I know that talking about this stuff is kind of controversial. Uh, potentially, you don't agree with everything that Adam has said. But I really do hope that you you took his perspective as some food for thought uh, in how you can approach this subject with your choir if you choose to approach it at all. So uh, that's, that's it for Technique Tuesday. Join me tomorrow for a really, really fascinating interview with Elena Sharkova, and you will not want to miss it. Um, you can learn all about um, what her parents sold in order for her to continue to study piano. Uh, it was really very interesting, and uh, I hope you enjoy it tomorrow on the regular interview episode of the Find Your Forte podcast. Have a great Tuesday. Thank you for listening to Find Your Forte with Ryan Guth. As always, join Ryan online at www.ryanguth.com for detailed show notes and discussions on every episode. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. Until next time, be amazing.